Now shall we just uh, look to the Lord in prayer. Our God and Father, we just bow in thy presence tonight and we thank thee that we are able to draw near to God and we do so in the worth and value of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank thee for thy blessed Son and we give thee thanks this evening that we ever got to know him and we're glad tonight that we have a hope that goes beyond this scene of time and reaches to uh, an eternal day. We thank thee for these hymns that we have been singing just now and we bless thee for what it is to be feasting on the living bread and drinking at the fountain head. We pray this evening as we consider thy word and think of the scriptures of truth uh, another time that indeed they may feed our souls and that we might be drawn nearer to thyself, that there may be from the word of God tonight that which would build us up and bless us in our most holy faith. Lord, we realize that the world in which we live, there are so many things to distract and attract, but we pray that we might know something of thy nearness tonight, and that the Lord may be glorified in our midst. We thank thee for all who have gathered, and we just commend ourselves to thee for this little time that we are here around thy word. We thank thee too for hearing of the children's meeting on the Monday night, and for the boys and girls that were here after such a long time in these days of lockdown. But we thank thee for the interest of so many to come. And we pray to bless them and bless this work. So Lord, we just leave ourselves before thee and seek thy help in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now it's good to see everyone that has uh, come tonight on this Wednesday evening. We do make you all warmly welcomed in the Lord's name. Thank you for coming tonight. Now uh, we're here for three Wednesday nights in the Lord's will. Uh, so remember next Wednesday and then the following one as well. And I think I'm here for a gospel meeting on the 20th as well. So uh, we trust that you'll uh, remember these nights uh, and encourage others to come as well. We look to the Lord for his help and blessing. Now during these few nights, uh, I was thinking of what you could term as uh, lesser known Bible characters. Now, we're all acquainted with characters like, uh, of course, Adam and 
Noah and Abraham and uh, uh, Noah and such like, and all these are, are characters that are well known. But then there are some that there's very little said about, and we want to think about some of them during these few Wednesday nights. Now, to do that this evening, we want to read in Luke's Gospel on chapter 2. Luke's Gospel and chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 and verse number 21. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, that's uh, Mary, uh, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And as, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every meal that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man at Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. Now, that's all we just want to read with the Lord's blessing. I want to think this evening for a few minutes about Simeon that we have read here in Luke chapter 2. Now, as regards Simeon, as far as I know, this is all that you'll read about him in your New Testament. There are other people that have the name of Simeon. You know that one of the tribes, one of the twelve tribes, was Simeon. But here we have this man, Simeon, that we find right at the commencement, at the life of the Lord Jesus. And I want you to notice that this man, Simeon, it says about him here that he was waiting 
In verse 25, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now that just simply means the messianic hope. So the first thing about Simeon, I want to try and emphasize that this man was looking, and he was looking for the Messiah. He was looking for the coming of Christ. Now, you would know that there was only a very small number of people that were really looking for Christ in his first advent. You see, it is good to remember that amidst all the barrenness and dryness of Israel as a nation, spiritually at this time, that there were still a number, a group of people that were looking for Christ. Well, earlier on in Luke's Gospel, you'll read about uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth. And you'll read about Anna in this chapter as well. And we maybe will look at him some night. Uh, Joseph of Arimathea was a man that waited for the kingdom of God. So there were in the midst of all the spiritual dearth and barrenness of Israel at that time, there were still a number who were looking for Christ. Now that's good to think about that. There were those that were looking for his first advent. But tonight, isn't it great to think that we are looking for Christ in his second advent? And the reality is that our Bible tells us that we should be looking. You see, Paul, in Titus chapter 2, he says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul said to be looking. You go to Philippians chapter 3. He says, for our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior. I tell you, looking. The reality is that if there were those that were looking for him in his first advent, that we are looking in his second advent. Now there may be someone tonight that would have a question in your mind that our Bible makes it very clear that the Lord Jesus is coming again to the air to take from the world his own, those that are Christ. The Bible says, then they that are Christ at his coming. 
And then, of course, some seven years at least after that, he comes back to earth as king to reign with angelic hosts and with the saints, you and I. Someone might say, but is that not two comings? Well, the fact is this tonight, that when we speak of the Lord coming to the air, then to the earth, it is all one coming in two stages. To the air, the first stage, and then to the earth. The reality is that our Bible exhorts us that we should be looking for the Savior. In a world in which we live, when there are so many things to distract us at where, it's good to keep in mind that above all of what is happening in this world, that we believe that the Lord is coming back. He's coming soon from glory. So Simeon was uh, looking. Now I believe that he was amongst that remnant, as it were, that really were described by Malachi 400 years before Christ came. You know, there's a lovely verse there. You could find it in the book of Malachi in chapter 3 and verse 16. I'm sure you've often read it. It says, Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him of them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. Oh, that's tremendous, isn't it? My, I'll tell you, here Malachi is speaking of a remnant of a group of people that thought upon his name. So Simeon, the first thing that we want to emphasize is that he is looking. Now this man, Simeon, it tells us something else here about him. Because this man was living. He was living a life for the glory of God. You get it there in verse 25. It says, The same man was just and devout. Just and devout. So, his life was that of a spiritual, sincere man living here in this world. He was not living for this world, but 
He was living in the Spirit. I think, you know, that it's good just to remind our hearts that, as I've already said, in, in the awful dryness and the awful barrenness of uh, Israel as a nation spiritually at that time, but here was a man who was living. Here was a man who had his sights on greater things. Here was a man who was not living for the temporal, but for the eternal. You know, the Bible tells us that the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And surely this would encourage us all that in the midst of so many difficulties that this man was in touch with God. Do you remember it tells us about Enoch way back before the flood that he walked with God. It speaks about Noah that he walked with God. And what terrible days that <clears throat> those days before the flood where the Bible says the thoughts and imaginations of men's hearts were only evil continually. And yet there were those who still walked with God. Here's this man, Simeon, and in spite of the fact, my, that there is so much against spiritual things, here's a man who's just and devout. I trust tonight that even as we make our way through this world, and you think of the, the state of society today and the, and the values that people have or maybe don't have that are absolutely foreign and opposed to the Word of God. And yet, it's still possible for you and I tonight in this world where there is so much that is anti-God and anti-Christ and anti-Bible and anti-Christian and everything else, that by the help of the Spirit of God to be able to live and to walk with God. We sang that hymn tonight that William Cowper wrote, O for a closer walk with God, a calm and heavenly frame, a light to shine upon the road that leads us to the Lamb. So Simeon, he was looking, it says waiting for the consolation of Israel, the messianic hope. He was not only looking, he was living. He was just and devout. But I want you to notice something else here. That he was led. Verse 27. 
it says that he came by the Spirit into the temple. Now just look for a moment at the mention of the Holy Spirit. Verse 25, the end of the verse, it says, the Holy Ghost was upon him. Verse 26, it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost. Verse 27, he came by the Spirit into the temple. Three times over in those verses, one after the other, you have got mention of the Holy Spirit. You know, this evening, sometimes I feel that maybe, in a sense, we do not speak enough as regards to the Holy Spirit and to the operation and the work of the Spirit of God in a believer's life. You know, the Bible makes it clear that if a man have not the Spirit, he is none of his. And Paul tells us, as many as were led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God in Romans 8. And the fact is this, that when we were saved, we were born of the Holy Spirit, we were indwelt by the Holy Spirit, we were sealed by the Holy Spirit. And the Bible makes it clear that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Paul says, be not drunk with wine, we're in his access, but be filled with the Spirit. That simply means to yield yourself to the conscious control of the Spirit of God. So here was a man. He was led by the Spirit into, it tells us, into the temple, he came by the Spirit. Now, there's another thing I want you to notice, and we'll have to say a bit more before we come to this, but if this man was looking, and this man was living, and this man was led by the Spirit. I want you to think of one of the greatest pictures you could ever, ever see that he lifted Christ. Now, verse 28, it says, Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God. So you've got the picture. Mary and Joseph have come to the temple in Jerusalem. They are fulfilling 
the law as it's found, and we're not going to turn to it, but it's found in the book of Leviticus chapter 12. And it was the law of purification. In other words, it was in relation to Mary, the mother of the Lord Jesus. And according to the law, that after 40 days, that a male child was taken to the temple and presented to the Lord. So they are there fulfilling the law that had been given to Moses recorded in Leviticus chapter 12. It's interesting, you know, that it was 40 days. Now, I think for uh, a girl, for a female, it was, it was maybe 50 days. It was more than that. But 40 days for a male child. And in the experience of the Lord Jesus, there are three distinct, 40-day periods. This is the first one. The 40 years, or the 40 days rather, the 40 days after he was born. And then there's the second 40-day period in the life of Christ. When you remember, in the wilderness, he was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. And then there's the last one, which is very significant. 40 days, the first 40 days of his life. 40 days in the wilderness. But from he rose again until he went back to heaven was 40 days. Now, I was just looking at this scripture this evening. It's a tremendous uh, verse um, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 3. Acts 1 and verse 3. It says, To whom also he, that's the Lord Jesus, showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So there you have three distinct 40 day periods in the life of the Lord. His first 40 on earth. His last 40 on earth after he rose. And then the 40 days in relation to the temptation. But I, I want you to notice something here that regarding Mary and Joseph, 
it, it tells us, you see, that in verse 27, that Simeon, he came by the Spirit into the temple. And then it says this, And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, that's what we've been speaking about. But I think it's beautiful, you know. It says that they brought in the child. They brought him in. You know, isn't it a good thing when we gather, as it were, to bring Christ in with us? They brought him in. And then it says here, regarding, you see, uh, Mary and Joseph, that as to the law that they were fulfilling, that they brought two little birds, you see. The end of verse 24. It was either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. You know that there were those who could bring a lamb. But then you see, there were those who were so poor that they couldn't bring a lamb. But they could bring two little birds. And so Mary and Joseph brought two little birds. They were so poor. And these two birds, one was for a burnt offering, and the other was for a sin offering. So remember that. These two birds, turtle doves or two young pigeons. One for a burnt offering, one for a sin offering. Now someone might ask the question, did Mary need a sin offering? You see, you know tonight that our dear friends in Roman Catholicism, they teach what they term as the Immaculate Conception, that Mary was born sinless. Now, of course, that is absolutely false. The fact is this, that Mary needed a sin offering like everyone else. Because Mary was not born sinless. She was born a sinner, like everyone else. And the only person, as you know, that came into this world who was sinless was the Lord Jesus. You remember uh, Mary said... My soul doth magnify the Lord, 
and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Mary not only needed a sin offering, but Mary needed a Savior. And the Lord Jesus was her Savior. And yours and mine. But there's something else here that I think is very interesting. Uh, as far as I can gather, this is the only time where you have on one side the type and the anti-type together. So the little birds in offering and sacrifice are a type of Christ. So on one hand, they've got the birds, and on the other hand, they've got the Lord, the babe. He is the antitype. He is the one of whom those little birds speak of. So in a very unique situation, you have the type and the anti-type together at one time, in one place, as Mary and Joseph went up to the temple. You know, it's a very interesting thing that, and maybe I shouldn't digress too much, but you know, in relation to the birds offered in sacrifice, if you were to go back to Genesis chapter 15, when God made that covenant with Abraham and the animals were divided, you see, and they were put in two rows and there was a path down the middle. We're not going into that, but there was two birds, and the Bible says a very significant thing. It says that the birds divided he not. I wonder why that was. Well, you see, it would be impossible to divide a bird in two without breaking its bones. You couldn't divide a bird in two without breaking bones. You know, isn't, isn't the Holy Spirit guarding the great truth that not a bone of him shall be broken? And I, I think, you know, there in Genesis, but the birds divided he not. And you know in John 19 that they came to break the legs of the Lord Jesus. And you remember they found that he was dead already and they break not his legs that the scripture might be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. So, you have the the two little birds 
Joseph and Mary were so poor. But I, I want you to think of this tonight. You see, I, I go back to where I mentioned about Simeon. In verse 28, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God. So, so Mary and Joseph come in with the two little birds. And there Simeon is in the temple. And Simeon, Simeon takes the babe, the Lord Jesus. And it says that then took he him up. He lifted Christ. He lifted Christ. You know, tonight, that's what God would have us all to do, is to lift up Christ. To lift him higher. For he is greater and sweeter and pure than any other. He lifted him up. Now, you don't read of many people actually handling the Lord Jesus. <coughs> I, I mean, literally. Of course, Mary and Joseph handled the Lord Jesus, the babe, and as he grew up and such like. We know that. But I, I, I'm speaking about um, people in general. John, 1 John 1 and 1 says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, and looked upon, and then he says, And our hands have handled of the word of life. Oh, I tell you, our hands have handled of the word of life. You know, the day that he was nailed to the cross, men handled him, didn't they? And ah, you know that they handled him roughly. Peter says in Acts 2, he says, Ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. I tell you, it was wicked, violent hands that handled him that day at Calvary when they nailed him to the cross. But what about the hands that took him down? You know, Paul tells us in Acts chapter 13, it says that when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulchre, but God raised him from the dead. You know, tonight the hands that took him down were different from the hands that put him up. You see, the hands that put him up were rough hands, but the hands that took him down were reverent hands. And I still believe with all my heart tonight 
that when any of us, my in a public way, speak of Christ, we need to do it reverently. Well, there Simeon, he took him up. Could I just say this tonight? And, you know, as I've already referred to, we need to, uh, my handle divine things with reverence. You see, we can take them up in our worship. It's a great thing, you know, to take Christ up in our worship and present him to the Father and tell the Father what we think about his Son. You see, it is, it is someone, a man of mature years, many, many years ago said to a younger man who was giving thanks for the Lord Jesus and he said to the younger man, he says, you know, God loves to hear his son well spoken of. And that's true. We can take him up in our worship. We can take him up in our walk as we live. You recall about Peter and John, they took note that they had been with Jesus. My, we can take him up in our witness to tell others to speak of Christ, to lift him up as the only saviour of the soul and the only satisfier of the life. Well, very quickly, Simeon, but there was something else here about him. He was leaving. Verse 29, is it? Here is Simeon with the Lord Jesus in his arms. And now he says, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. This man, Simeon, was leaving, leaving earth, leaving this world, well, you see, do you remember how we read in verse 26? And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And now he had seen Christ and he was just ready to go. Let me depart in peace. You'll hear people say that Simeon was an old man, and I don't know if he was or not. It doesn't actually say that here. But the reality is this, that he was a man who was in touch with God, and it had been revealed to him that he shouldn't see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And then when he saw Christ, what did he say? Verse 30, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. You see, there's a gospel message there too. And the gospel is, my, for a soul 
not to see death before they see salvation. And surely that is it, that a person leaving this world would know the salvation of God. But I'll finish with this. He was leaving in verse 29. And I suggest that he was longing. He wanted to step into that other world. To arrive in heaven. You know, a good lot of years ago, there was a dear old lady that I always visited, generally in the month of January, along with others, uh, way up in the county Antrim, and she was a great soul, uh, a great woman of prayer, lived alone. Sometimes her grandson was with her, but what a, what a character she was. And I got a phone call one morning from her son, who actually had been the, the Lord Mayor in Balamina for quite a number of years. And he said to me, my mother has gone to heaven. And I said to him down the phone, she didn't have far to go. Because she lived very near heaven. And so here is a man and he says, I'm just ready to move out. And truly this man, by what we have read about him, he certainly didn't have far to go. He was living in the ambit of God's will and for God's glory. Simeon, not much said about him, but a lot to speak to our own hearts today. Shall we pray? Lord, we just bow and give thee thanks for thy goodness to us. We're, we're glad tonight that we ever, we ever trusted Christ. We're glad tonight that there's a Savior whom all of us this evening we would lift up and thank God for the man of Calvary. Just bless thy people tonight and we trust that these things that we have tried to glean from the life of this man may speak to all our hearts that we might be living as it were in that near place and looking for our Lord Jesus Christ. Bless thy people. Bless any tonight that are laid aside, saints that are not well, those that pass through trial and bereavement. We commend to thy care and ask thee to bless us as we part in the Lord's name. 
Amen.